0: Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. And again, Eve, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, would not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Let's pray. Lord, as we approach your word, we pray that you would continue to use your spirit to work on our hearts, Lord, that you would teach us what it is to have faith. Have faith to believe on you and have faith to continue to believe on you. Lord, we pray that you would be exalted. We ask this for Christ's sake. Amen. Let me start by saying, Happy Halloween. Or, should I say, Happy Reformation Day. Which should we say? It, it, it may be surprising to, to find out facts about both. M- might surprise you a little bit. Uh, for Halloween, of course, it means All Saints' Eve. But at least in terms of Christianity, it can be traced back, I think it was, to 609 with Pope Gregory. And there would be prayers that would be said for the departed believers. If a Christian died, you could still pray for them, was the thinking. And eventually, there was all kinds of different religions and paganisms that gradually crept into this until basically you have what we have today with Halloween. And so instead, we can celebrate Reformation Day, the, the five solas. But what is interesting about Reformation Day is this. Was Martin Luther saved when he posted the 95 Thesis? So in 1545, regarding Reformation Day, when Martin Luther posted the 95 Thesis, according to Carl Truman and Stephen Nichols, uh, reliable church historians, they quote Martin Luther as saying, when I posted the 95 thesis on the door of Wittenberg, I would have committed murder in the name of the Pope. And Martin Luther said when he nailed the the 95 thesis on the door, he was not even saved. He wasn't born again. <laughs> now, gradually, was it a year later? A year or so later, he did... Come to know the Lord. But what had happened is very early in the church life, around 600, 700 AD, as though the gospel was not obliterated, it was almost lost. That the sufficiency of Scripture that you say by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, that were shrouded in almost became forgotten for about over what? A thousand years almost. It wasn't obliterated and destroyed because Jesus would build his church and the gospel is the power of God and it will prevail. But for a long time, the gospel was confused. And when Martin Luther nailed the, 99, the 95 thesis on the door, it was the beginning of, of a period of time where the outward church, the Roman Catholic Church that had ruled, melded together with the state for over a thousand years. And that, became, that system became challenged through the 95 Theses. So eventually these were reclaimed. Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to God the glory alone. Well, what had happened? that almost, not not entirely, but almost the, the true church and the gospel was almost obliterated for a thousand years. What had happened? I think the book of Hebrews had happened. That is, that there was a large part, at least of the outward church, the visible church, that... We're not doing Hebrews 10:39, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. For a large part, many at least professing believers had actually given up the faith. They were not following Christ alone, by grace alone, and faith alone, to the glory of God alone, based upon the scripture alone, energized by the spirit alone, which is the sixth soul of. It has been said, the testimony, the testimony of the Spirit. And I think you can find all of these things, actually, in almost every book explicitly in the New Testament. And, of course, many places in the Old Testament. So I, I bring this up as an introduction to say that For a thousand years, not not entirely, but not completely, but in a large part, at least the professing church had shrinked away, and they had drifted away from Christ and from the truth, and they were not pushing forward faithfully in Christ. And this comes to our our passage, to the series presently that we are in. That's Hebrews ten. 34 to chapter 11, verse 40, which is basically push forward faithfully in Christ Jesus so you don't falter or forsake the Lord. And it is during the Reformation when God's Spirit began to work through His Word in a powerful way, calling men and women back to Himself to trust the Lord by grace alone, through faith alone, based upon the Word of God alone. And now we're in this passage ourselves, and again, the, the main point I want us to get, that I believe this passage here is saying is press forward by faith alone, in Christ alone. And then we won't falter or fall away. And this passage gives us many means to do this. We're focusing primarily on three large ones. And we said, first, understand the best is yet to come. We saw that already. That's in chapter 10, verse 34 to the end of the chapter, basically. And then the second one flows out of that refuse to lose your confidence, which many in the early outward church did. They lost their confidence in the gospel, but were placing their confidence really in the state that emerged out of Constantine. In many ways. And then the third means is exercise your faith. You need to exercise your faith. Faith works. We need to keep our faith active and alive and keep pressing forward. And so we saw the definition in chapter 11, verse 1. And then we saw that depiction in chapter 11, verse 3, all the way to the end. And now, this morning, we're going to look at verse 4, which is the first character. And there will be, of course, many, many characters, many depictions of this faith that presses forward. Now, last week, we said, first, believe to understand. That's verse 3. For us to truly understand God, to truly understand the macroverse and the microverse, to truly understand even politics You have to understand and know God and the Bible by faith. Having faith in his word gives us a type of supernatural knowledge like King David. King David said he knew more than his teachers because he knew the word. Now, this morning, we're going to look at a second depiction that we need to follow. And it's this. Believe to get right with God. Believe in God's provision that's declared in his word. Believe with God, believe on God, believe his provision in order to get right with God. Is there anything more important than getting right with God? And better to think about this now, about getting right with God, rather than on your deathbed. Better now to think about getting right with God. Because unless Christ comes back, all of us, sooner or later, will be on our deathbed. Even the young ones, now you have to think about getting right with God. Don't put it off. Believe to get right with God. And it's interesting because this passage, Hebrews 11, as it's talking about faith, it talks about creation, and then it skips Adam and Eve, and it goes to their... Children, Abel and Cain, because Adam and Eve did not necessarily simply just live by faith because they actually saw God and, and, and walked with God. Abel was in a little bit of a different situation and so we see here this example that the early early church or these believers, these Jewish believers are given walk by faith, believe in order to get right with God. Now, four things that this involves. That is, getting right with God, based upon Hebrews 4.11. Number one, this involves the biblical truth that faith alone justifies. Faith alone saves. Believing in Jesus Christ, according to the Word of God, believing in Him by faith alone, saves. That is, you and I and Abel, Abel according to the revelation that God gave him, you and I, we are counted righteous by God and given the righteousness of Christ by faith alone. And when we look at this passage, please look at all these different verses from verse 3, 4, 5, 17, verse 30, all throughout the whole passage. It's by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It's as if, let's say, that there was a big, huge choir and they're singing this song. Almost like just say, word for word, you know, Abel and Abraham, Sarah, you know, this beautiful song and it's just, you know, lots of instruments. And sometimes they've done this at Grace Community Church. They'll have a a song that's being played, and it's very beautiful. And all of a sudden, this has actually happened at Grace Community Church, right? Maybe you remember it. Part of, there'll be a group at church that all of a sudden will stand up in the congregation, and it was part of the choir, and they'll start singing, Faith, faith, faith. And then they sit back down. And then the choir keeps playing and the song keeps going. And then the people sign up again. Faith, faith. Have you ever seen that happen before in any kind of church, any kind of choir? That There's a song that's being sang and being played. And there's the the verses, the versification that keeps going. But always there is this refrain that keeps coming out. Faith, faith, faith. That's what's happening in this passage here, is that you have this This beautiful passage, this historical summary about all these men and women that trusted God, but over and over again, you have, by faith, by faith, by faith. And what is being heavily, of course, emphasized and stressed is that the only way that these men and women pleased God and did anything, anything of note, was by faith alone. And it starts with, with Abel. And if you look at verse 4, it says here that he obtained the testimony that he was righteous by faith. By faith. It's placed first. Look at those two words. By faith. By the means of faith, Abel offered to God a, a better sacrifice. And he obtained righteousness that he was righteous, that was all by faith. And that's emphasizing by faith alone. Now, the idea of, if you keep looking at verse 4, of righteousness, it's conforming to a standard. Sadake. This idea, zidik, uh One's Greek, one's Hebrew. It's this idea of conforming to the standard. The standard is God's character, God's creed. Justice is if somebody doesn't conform to God's standard, then they're held accountable. So when a person is, like Abel, is considered righteous by God, is declared righteous, it's the idea that God is saying that I have declared that person to be 100% righteous legally, forensically, though it may not be actually in their life, I'm going to treat them as if they were 100% in conformity with who I am and with my word. That's the idea of being justified, or being, if you want to, rightified. That's what this passage in verse 4 is saying, is that God looked at Abel and was pleased with the sacrifice because it was by faith. He considered Abraham and Abel and Paul and you and I righteous because of faith takes that faith, I take that faith, and I would declare you as being, on the basis of that faith, you are righteous. He had a better sacrifice because he acted out of faith, and Cain did not. So then the issue is this, really. Does God like uh, steak or salad? When you look at this passage, Cain is offering basically Vegetables. All right? Yes. And Abel offers what? Meat. So sometimes what can happen when we look at this passage and in some commentaries they can say because Abel offered a meat sacrifice and Cain offered a vegetarian sacrifice because of that God considered Abel righteous. However, it says again in verse 4, By faith, Abel did this. Because of out of his faith, Abel offered and acted in a certain way. Now, remember, in the Old Testament, were there any grain offerings in the Old Testament? There were grain offerings that God accepted. Now, these grain offerings, however, were not for sin but you could offer a meal offering unto the Lord, and God would receive that as an act of worship. Just be, oh, secondly, just because somebody would offer a burnt offering, a, a, a meat offering that would be sacrificed unto the Lord, did the Lord always say, yes, that's so wonderful. I receive that from you. Without fail, you can read the book of Amos, the book of Isaiah, many other books. God would say, your offerings to me are what? A stench because they weren't being offered by humility and by faith. So it's not necessarily true to say just if somebody offers in the Old Testament a burnt meat offering to the Lord that God's going to say, yes, that's, that's wonderful. There has to be faith that's involved with this. Now it could be don't know for certain, but it could be that the writer of the book of Hebrews is addressing a certain Jewish tradition. There was a Jewish tradition that Abel, because of his works, because of his morality, God accepted Abel. Is that true? Was Abel such a good person that God said, you're so much better than Cain, I accept you because you're good and Cain is bad. Is that why God accepts Abel? There was a Jewish tradition that's found in different fragments, actually, of writings from even before the time the book of Hebrews was written that they've put together. They've translated and it says this, quote, This is not in the Bible. This is... Jewish Hebraic tradition. Cain spoke and said to Abel, I see that the world has been created by love, and that it is governed by love. Why then has your offering been received from you with favor, and mine has not been received as favor? Abel spoke and said to Cain, Without doubt the world has been created by love and is governed by love, but it is also governed according to the fruit of good works. It is because my works were better than yours that my offering has been received from me with favor, and yours has not been received from you with favor. And the two of them were disputing in the field. It could be here that our text, Hebrews 11 4, is disputing that tradition. Because remember, these Hebrew believers were being tempted to go back to a type of false Judaism, to continue to offer sacrifices when the sacrificial system had been fulfilled to Christ, they were called to go back, offer these sacrifices, and perform moral, Hebraic, traditional type of legal moralism in order to be accepted by God. And maybe you should start with Abel. Like right after Cain... I mean, right after Adam and Eve, who did God accept? Abel. And what did Abel do? Before Leviticus, before the whole book of Leviticus, what did Abel do? He offered a sacrifice, and it was accepted by God. So you Hebrew believers, you need to go and be like Abel. Go back to your roots and offer a sacrifice. And don't forget to give some money in the plate when it comes around to the Jewish synagogue. That's probably what they were told. And so here, the Spirit of God is writing and is saying, actually, Abel was regarded as righteous, not not because he was a good person, not because necessarily that just simply that he brought a piece of meat, but because of what? Faith. It was out of faith. Well, for Abel, it would have been faith in what? What would if he had faith in because if you go back to Genesis chapter chapters three and four, there there's no verses, no words, no language of here's how you offer a sacrifice, and you should offer a sacrifice. That's not revealed. There, there, there's no revelation that says that to us. We do have Genesis three fifteen which at times has been called the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel, Genesis 3.15. And it says, And I will put enmity between you, and he's talking to the serpent, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Ultimately, this is a promise that Satan will be defeated. So this is a promise that Abel could have trusted. There is also... Watch, we see even in chapter 3 with, with Adam and Eve, and actually with their clothes and with what they were wearing, you can see in verse 21, the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clove them, whereas before they were wearing just fig leaves, and they were, verse 7 of chapter 3, and They realized that they were both naked and so they filled fig leaves together and made themselves loring coverings. But in verse 21, God made garments from skin, from animals, to cover them. Now, that's not a command. Genesis 3.21 is not a command to Adam and Eve to, to be doing this. But it is a picture. It is a pattern that to cover them, God killed two animals and provided clothing and covering for them. So it could be that Abel is trusting in this promise of God that God will deal with Satan through a seed from Eve and that God will provide provision for sin based upon the death of an innocent, right? An innocent animal was slain to cover Adam and Eve. It's not a lot of revelation to go on. We have the whole Bible. (laughs) Now, Abel would have had more. He had Adam and Eve who walked with God. But in terms of actual revelation, wasn't a lot for Abel to trust in, but it seems that by faith he was saying that I, I actually need to have my sins covered. And I'm going to trust in God's promise. Lord, I'm a sinner. Here's my offering. Now, again, it's not that Cain was terrible and that Abel was not terrible. And so then God accepted Abel. Nobody's morality will save them. Romans chapter 3 says, there was no one who was righteous. No, not even one. There was no one who was good. We have all turned aside and all together have become useless. Abel wasn't accepted because he was such a good person, but rather he was expressing to God, God, I'm, I'm a sinner and I need you to cover me and by faith, I'm going to trust in your provision. Now, some people will say, okay, but Tom, it was, really, it was works, because Cain, he would work all day out in that field, hot. He'd be sweating, and he had to pull, he had to gather all the vegetables and all the fruit, whatever it was. He had to offer that to the Lord, and that was work. Did Abel have to work as a shepherd? Did Abel just present a lamb and say, here's a lamb. That's such a fat portion. So Abel also had to work hard and cut the lamb up into different pieces and parts and give that to the Lord. Abel also worked. And then there's some Jewish tradition that says, yeah, but what it is, is, it's that Abel, when he set up the offering, the parts and pieces, he set it up correctly. And when Cain offered his grain offering, he probably just poured it out. And so that's why Abel was, was accepted. But our text says what? By faith. And it's emphasized over and over and over and over and over and over again. And faith is not faith in faith, and it's not trusting in yourself. It's trusting in God's provision, God's pattern, and God's narrative. And that's what Abel did. It wasn't because Abel was so good. It wasn't because he had a, necessarily because he had a better sacrifice. But he trusted what God said. His sacrifice, would it have been perfect or imperfect? Abel's sacrifice, would it have been perfect or imperfect that he made? Imperfect. (laughs) But God regarded Abel as having. Perfectly obeyed him because Abel was saying in his heart, Father, Lord, I trust you and not myself. See, Cain actually, in a sense, came. Cain came to church and sang and listened to listened to the sermon. Maybe he even took notes. He may have taken the, the best notes, but he didn't have faith. Cain offered a sacrifice. He had a knowledge of God, but he didn't trust God. He was religious, but he didn't want a relationship with God according to how God said. But he wanted to establish his own way and his own means. Abel was, Lord, I'm a sinner. I offer this like Adam and Eve, you clove them. This is a a testimony from my heart, Lord. I trust your promise. We, today, would say that since Christ has fulfilled his mission, that God, the Son took on flesh and blood, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for sinners, rose again, as it says in Hebrews, he ascended, he sits at the right hand of God the Father, living to intercede for all those who trust him, because Jesus completed his successful mission as prophet, priest, and king. Then we focus and place our trust, not just in God in a nebulous sense or even God as Yahweh, but in the person Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And so as it says in Romans chapter 10, we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And then you are saved. I've shared before when... I'm talking to people at times. I will ask them, Romans 4, 5. Who does God justify? I'll say, who does God justify? Who does God save? The godly or the ungodly? And most people will say, what? Who does God justify? Who does God save? The godly or the ungodly? God justifies the ungodly. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And he gives David as an example. Was David an epitome of godliness? He committed adultery and he was a murderer. David committed murder, mass murder. He did. And he committed adultery many times. Did he go to heaven? Is David in heaven? Yes. Why? Because of his good virtue? No, because he placed his faith and his trust in Yahweh. Abraham. Was was Abraham this, this pillar of, you know, I want my daughter to date a guy just like David and Abraham. I would tell Abraham and David, get away from my daughter. You guys are horrible. I hope you fathers would too. You're not dating my daughter. You guys are wicked. They had major issues in their lives. Did they go to heaven? Yes. By faith, because they trusted in Yahweh. And so Abel, Hebrews 11, basically is saying, he went to heaven out of faith now this comes to our second point and that is that faith alone saves but that faith alone that saves is not alone faith alone saves but this faith alone that saves is not alone faith will work faith will demonstrate itself Uh, David you can read Psalm 32 Psalm 51 David repented you can look at Abraham's life, and he gets better and better and better. He becomes more and more obedient as time goes by. Faith will work itself out. And so we see here in Hebrews eleven four, 4, Abel was counted righteous by God through his faith. And this is demonstrated and trust, and trust will show itself in some way. And so that's why verse 4 says which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. Abraham had, I'm sorry, Abel had faith, and that was demonstrated by him doing the right thing. Trusting God and then acting out on that. Cain did not have faith in God, and then he demonstrated that. How did God, how did Cain demonstrate that? Cain offered an offering that wasn't out of faith, and then when God said, Cain, I don't like your offering, what does Cain do? Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I repent. How can I change and do it better? And you're talking about something's in my heart. What do I need to do to get right with you, Lord? I'm so sorry. Is that Cain's response? No. Cain gets angry at his creator and rejects his creator and then ends up filled with sin and kills his brother out of anger at God and out of anger at Abel because Abel did the right thing and trusted God and Cain gets mad about that and takes out on Abel. Lack of faith would demonstrate itself and unbelief if it's not controlled will lead to all kinds of sin including murder. Abel trusted God Acted out on it, and was killed for his faith, the first martyr. Now we're not talking about perfection, and we see that again in Hebrews eleven thirty nine. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. There is this perseverance of faith. That's why I said the main point of this whole section is pushing forward, that's why several times we've talked about, can you just take one more step of faith, just a small step of faith, and tomorrow, can you take one more step of faith, can you trust God for the next five minutes, and then the, the next five days, and the next five weeks, that there is this nature of faith that plots, that, that works hard, that that pushes forward. Faith is primarily not to do all kinds of great signs and wonders and miracles. Faith is to trust God. And the moment that you trust the provision He's given you, you trust Jesus and you take a step of faith forward, pressing on toward Christ. But in some way, faith will reveal itself. So faith initially says, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I know I can't get to heaven by even 500 billion good works, because it's all tainted with sin, so it's by faith alone, according to your grace alone. Jesus, save me. And some of you in this room may not be saved. Today, God says, get saved. God commands you, be saved, repent, and trust Jesus. But even for us believers, we need, as it says in Hebrews eleven thirty nine, to keep pushing forward by believing. Well, what does that look like? Well, for marriage, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? Many of us here are married. Is it easy to, to be married? Cody, your day is coming. Is it easy to, to be married? Now, I say this with love to my wife and respect to her, and no way am I trying to taint her. I would think that it'd be easier to be married after 24 years than it was after 24 days. But I'm such a sinner that being married to my wife is a delight, but being married to my wife is such a delight. But it's not necessarily always easy, is it? Is it easy even after 50 years? No, because we're sinners. But faith says, I can do all things who through Christ who strengthens me. So in, in marriage, a husband takes the initiative to lay down his life for his wife. So even after, if we're married for 500 years, like, you know, back during the days of, Adam and Eve. No, if we could live that long, even I would still need to be trusting Christ by faith to love my wife. By faith, we do that. For example, uh, Ephesians four thirty two: forgive one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Is it easy to forgive one another? Whether in marriage, whether parenting, whether friendships, whether in the church, whether your neighbors. What does it take to forgive one another? What does it take to have enduring love? What does it truly take? Faith. Faith in God, in his word. Not faith in the other person, but faith in God. God will give me what I need to trust him and to love this other person. Because my hope is not perfection from him, from her, from this life, but perfection from whom? From Christ. Christ as he's poured out his love into my heart, Romans 5.5. Many years ago, I used to hike, not with John Owen, but with Jim Owen. He was a professor at Master's College, and we used to hike in the Sierra Mountains. And he had what he called a rest step, a rest step. So he was my age now, which is kind of scary so he was 56 and we'd be hiking up all these mountains and all these trailways, and he would pick up his leg and somehow he would just kind of totally rest that whole leg and that whole foot and myself and about eight other kids we were all in our uh, late teens or early twenties and we were literally running up and down the hills it was so easy And I was like, this guy is old. He was 55. This guy is old. He's pathetic. And I'm running around. And we'd go about eight eight miles one way. And what I noticed is the further we got, we were slowing down. And he was not. And we realized, actually, he was a better hiker than us. Because he would take this sort of rest step. And I think that's a picture of faith, that faith rests. It's resting in Christ. But it's resting in Christ so it can do what? It can push forward. That's the nature of resting in Christ. It's not, I'm going to rest in Christ and take a snooze. I rest in Christ as I'm going forward. Now third, as we pick up steam, third thing that Believing on God for righteousness. For us now, because Christ has incarnated himself, died on the cross, risen again, then we focus on Jesus Christ. A uh, third thing this involves, though, is we don't freak out when persecuted. When we are persecuted, we, we're, we're not, we shouldn't be astonished. I, I can't believe I'm being persecuted for my faith. Like, somehow that should shock you. Here is Abel. And he did the thing that he was supposed to do. And God said, I'm pleased with your offering, Cable, Um, Abel. And I don't know how long it was. Maybe it was a day. The next thing Abel knows, he's in heaven. (laughs) Abel does the very best thing that he could do. As a result, he's killed by a family member. Maybe you have... Strife and struggle in your family. I hope it's not as bad as this. This is very early on. Abel does the right thing. God blesses him by giving him righteousness. And what happens when Abel does the right thing? He's murdered. Talk about happy Halloween, trick or treat. Abel does the right thing and he suffers for it, he's murdered. This is really bad. When you preach and speak that faith alone, by grace alone, faith alone, bring in Christ alone, brings salvation, eventually there will be persecution. It can't be avoided. When I lived in India, there was some persecution, but the most persecution I received was from a shopkeeper and a family that were a Roman Catholic. And because I went and pray in the name of Mary, one kicked me out of the shop and one wanted me to kick me out of the home. One time I, I didn't have the face of Jesus. It was a Catholic painting of the face of Jesus. And I had taken it down. And I was speaking that we're saved by grace through faith alone and Christ alone. And the owner of the flat apartment I was staying in wanted to kick me out. Why? Because saying that you're not saved by being a good person, but you're saved only by God's grace as you trust in Jesus Christ, that's the only way you're saved. You're not saved by one ounce of your good deeds. That strikes at the very core of our pride. At the very core. So when we share that with people whether it's a Roman Catholic or a Baptist, or it could be somebody in a Reformed church that's not even saved. And to hear that you can't save yourself, there's no amount of coming to church that can save you. You can know the five solas and go to hell. Knowing them doesn't save you, but you have to trust in Jesus Christ alone by faith. And when you share that with people, eventually some will persecute you. So we have to have a type of holy, sanctified detachment from this world. You can read Hebrews for yourself, and we'll get there. It talks about there's a better country, and there's a better city. And it's not here. The best to come is not if Trump becomes the next president. It's not. The best to come is the kingdom of God with Jesus Christ forever. That is the best to come. Number four, a fourth thing that this involves. So yes, place your faith for salvation only in Jesus Christ. Not in yourself, not in a church, not in a pastor, not in a movement. Only in Jesus Christ. Secondly, live by faith. Trust God's promises daily. Third, when you do that, hardship will come, but even some persecution eventually will come. Don't be astonished by it. God has a purpose and a reason for it. Now, number four. Last, I think it was last week we talked about galaxy brains, or the week before. Do you know, ladies in this church, you can make a galaxy impact. You can make a galaxy impact. Young kids, you can make a a galaxy impact, a huge, significant impact. Believing on God for. His provision for salvation through faith alone involves you making an internal impact through faith. Dads, you can make a significant, you know, we would say galaxy brain. We mean like this huge, huge, ginormous brain. You can make a ginormous impact for Christ. Look back at our text, verse 4. Though Abel is dead, he still speaks. So Abel became a missionary after he died. (laughs) Not in the Halloween sense that, boom, he became a ghost. Not in that sense. But his testimony continues on and impacted Abraham, impacted David, impacted Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 talks about the righteous were lived by faith, which Paul quotes in Romans chapter 1, 16 to 17. So in a sense, even the apostle Paul was impacted by Abel. And of course, we're impacted by the gospel through the apostle Paul. So you are here this morning and you're saved. And part of the historical means of that is Abel. That's what this means when it says, and through faith, he is dead, but yet, and the Greek says, yet he is still speaking. He's with the Lord in heaven, but the testimony of how he was saved by faith continues on impacting all of us. Now think about Abel for a moment. Did he go to college? No, he didn't go to college, probably. Probably. Did he have a blog page? Did he have Facebook? Was he updating? I have to update Facebook. Twitter. Oh, sorry. X. Was he a pro with media? Pro media sabe? No. Did he go overseas to India and become a missionary? No. Did he live to a life... Long, old age? No. Did his wife write a book about his martyrdom? Were there like a whole series of books, t-shirts made about him? No. He offered an offering by faith and died. His life was tragically cut short, but his ministry has continued even longer than the Apostle Paul's. Because he acted in faith. So this passage is telling these believers here in the book of Hebrews and you and I. When you act out in faith, when you trust Jesus Christ, when you trust the Lord and take a step of faith, even if something bad were to happen to you, God will use his testimony through you. He can use it and he will use it to impact the world in ways that you may never, ever realize My mother used to tell me all the time, I got so upset with her, I said, stop quoting that verse to me. She would say, for by grace you're saved through faith. I mean, we'd be driving to the theater, she'd be dropping off in a movie, oh, Tommy, Tommy, by grace you're saved through faith. I know, Mom, that's Ephesians 2.8, okay? I I, I know it now. All the time. And then I went to Sunday school, you know, I I, I skipped church for a long time, finally got cornered. I had to go to Sunday school. I went to Sunday school. His name was Mr. Talley. What's the first verse he said to me. I was the only one in his I was the only one in his Sunday school class. And he goes, Tom, before we get into the book of Romans, I just want you to know you can only be saved by faith alone by grace alone through faith alone. And he quoted Ephesians two, and nine. So my mom and Mr. Talley had a huge impact in my life. And their impact in me continues on to this day to people in Los Angeles and Florida and India and now here in Washington. My my measly little impact, God is continuing to use it and to grow and is using yours as well. Live by faith. Follow Abel's example. Trust in Jesus Christ and God will use you in a great way. So let me end by talking about death. And we have mentioned our brother Ron is passing away. And I asked him a few days ago, but even yesterday, Ron, are you ready to die and to go to be with the Lord? He said, yes. I said, how do you know that you're ready to die and to go to be with the Lord? he said, by faith, I've trusted Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and he's my Savior. And then his eyes wheeled up. <laughs> you know, Ron gets a very really tender hearted and then he starts to cry about Jesus Christ. Are you ready to die? S- sincerely, are, are you ready to die? Can you say right now today that if I were to die, I could have peace? Because I know Christ. Because I've trusted him. You can know that today. If you were to die today, you could be on your deathbed and have peace and say I am ready to be with the Lord not because I was such a good person but because Jesus was a good person the best ever and I've trusted in him and his provision with his death and resurrection what we have behind us is scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to God be the glory alone This passage this morning is saying to us that for salvation and for life, the way to live is by faith alone. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony of Abel. May all of us initially choose to have this faith in you for salvation. And then daily, Lord, even if we're persecuted, even if we face When we face death, Lord, may we trust you and your provision for all things. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your spirit. Be with Ron, give him great encouragement and strength and hope and joy. Lord, we praise you for Christ's sake. Amen.